Welcome to DLA Piper's Technical Podcast Series. My name's Catherine Gibson and I work here at the global business law firm DLA Piper. Welcome to today's podcast, which I, together with Laura De Silva Gomez, are going to explore how investing in and implementing diversity and inclusion strategies and deploying technology as an enabler to them should give enterprise a competitive advantage as we enter into an yet another decade of transformative innovation. And this podcast forms part of our preparation for our widely acclaimed DLA Piper European Technology Summit 2019. And that's scheduled for Tuesday the 15th of October at ETC Venues in Bishopsgate, London. You can find out more about that via our social media channels or on our event website, which is www.dlapipertechsummit.com forward slash European. Whilst for myself, as a lawyer who specialises in employment and data privacy law at DLA, I have the privilege of advising a number of clients on a wide range of employment and data privacy issues in a number of different sectors, including sport. I don't have as much input into that as my guest today. So on behalf of the firm, I'm extending a special welcome to Laura De Silva Gomez, who's a founder and director of WePlayFair.org, which is a project aiming at preventing crime in sports, especially in female sports. So hi, Laura. Hello, Catherine. For the benefit of our listeners, it would be super if you could give a brief introduction of your role at WePlayFair.org, as well as just a brief outline of the organisation's focus. Sure. Well, thank you very much for having me, uh, first of all. Um, so my role, basically, for many years, I've been working to help companies uh, figure out a way to grow by having a positive impact. So figuring out a way, how do we exist in the world uh, in a way that's good for the environment, good for society, but also reaps return to a business. And for some weird reason, I've been really involved in sports businesses, uh, and I've been working with a lot of uh, sports federation and sports uh, organization. And so so I, one of the topics that we covered a lot was around match-fixing prevention mm -hmm. and around any kind of risk related to having a, a sports business. And so during these years, I realized that there was a lot that was being done for men's sport. Not enough, of course, always, need, always more needs to be done. Uh, but as female sport is growing, um, unfortunately, there's maybe a lot of things that we need to do in order to prevent the types of risk that we've seen with male sports from happening in female sports. So this is why I created WePlayFair.org and that, helps, that aims at helping um, women specifically, but also men, of course, uh, prevent crime in sports. So our first topic for discussion is diversity and inclusion. Mm -hmm. So perhaps I could open by just asking you to just tell me a little bit how, about how you see that from your perspective. Yeah, I think uh, obviously um, diversity and inclusion is kind of the hot topic of the moment. So a lot of people are talking about this and it seems like the trendy thing to talk about. Uh, for me, this is a really, really good business um, kind of thing to think about. It's not just from being nice, it's really, really good for business. And a way that I've heard it being described recently, that's obviously completely imperfect, but I thought it was interesting, was that diversity is being invited to the party, inclusion is being asked to dance, and what I do with my clients is typically take that one step further. Diversity and inclusion isn't the goal in itself, it's what do we do with more diverse voices in a company, and how do we make businesses different and businesses having a positive impact and make ultimately society and the environment in a better place. 
Okay, so that's really interesting. So that's a little bit more about substantive fairness, if I can call it that, rather than just equal opportunities. So more about not so much having a level playing field, but looking at levelling the playing field. So taking steps to actively include people. Is that, is that right? Is that how you would see it? Yeah, yeah I think it's, um, it, it should, we should come to a point where it's just normal, where we don't... Uh, kind of separate we should just yes be considered equal so we should have equal voices and and being given equal opportunities so whether it's race whether it's gender uh, whether it's disability or a lot of other issues we should all ultimately be given the equal opportunities and equal voices unfortunately we know uh, that there tends to be one voice that's much louder and more present than all the others. And I think, again, that is bad for business because consumers do not look like the people who direct companies at the moment. And in order to serve consumers better, we need to make companies, organization, look, sound like the consumers that are out there. And so that kind of discussion about making business more representative of the wider society that it serves, is that the kind of thing that CEOs are talking about at the moment? Or is that something that you've really found reserved for the sports world? No, I, I definitely see this uh, throughout. Um, people are starting to talk about it more and realise of the, of the importance of it um, and the importance, again, for business, but also for the wider society. Unfortunately, even these, um, let's say, so-called feminist CEOs that you can see in Silicon Valley, for example, who, who I do believe want to do the right thing, very often it's in the implementation, it's not working. Um, so, I mean, if we just look at the stats, for example, uh, we know that uh, 12% of the papers that were submitted to big machine learning or AI conferences were by women, just 12%. And that tells me that just on that gender spectrum, the voices of, of women are not heard and there's something more that needs to be done in order for, um, again, society being represented in the people and the organisation that control ultimately how we consume and how we behave or how things are going. So picking up on that, picking up on that point of something else needs to be done, from my perspective, coming at this from a legal angle, mm -hmm. um, obviously we have laws um, at present within the, the UK and which are mainly led by Europe, which talk about the distinction between positive discrimination and positive action. And positive action tends to be um, seen as being something which is done on a very small scale, at the moment can be considered, particularly in the, in the world of of um, sex discrimination um, as being um, implementing quotas or something like that, you know, the amount of women should be on boards or, or whatever. Um, but positive action does seem to be interpreted very narrowly with um, the way it's implemented being quite far behind, I would say, where society would expect it to be. Mm -hmm. So have you seen any examples of kind of positive initiatives in this space or, or is that the kind of thing you mean by when you say further action is needed? Yeah, I, th I think there's a lot of great things um, happening throughout, uh, but I think it's not just, it doesn't start and end at the company level. It starts in our education system and making sure that, uh, you know, uh, we know that 30 years ago uh, in um, in kind of computing sciences or, or, or the kind of... Um, 
what was related to, let's say, uh, computing and math, there was a fair parity 30 years ago, and now not at all. We see just more uh, boys getting there. Mm. Uh, we see also a discrepancy between uh, people, depending on their background, where they're from, and so on. And I think it, it's not just a responsibility of companies, of course, to do this. It starts in the education system, uh, and then it goes through to how you somebody or an organization recruit people. Uh, we know that uh, people tend to recruit people who look like them, and that means that it perpetuates mm -hmm. uh, you know, a certain level of having just the same and the same again, and the same voices being heard. Mm -hmm. So I, I think there's different perspective about quotas. I've never been really in favor of them, but I'm, I, I understand the need for them. Uh, but I think until society truly change, and until we realize that we need those different voices at the table, actions like quotas and then beyond around education and making society fairer are definitely uh, there's much more that needs to be done mm. and I think I would agree with that because oftentimes people are exhibiting unconscious bias by looking for people who look like them and sometimes it isn't even looking for people who look like them it's more coming at it from a recruitment standpoint finding people who they can trust mm -hmm. or from backgrounds that they can trust mm -hmm. and trying to kind of bust that network. I'm not going to call it an old boys network because it isn't always, but trying to bust through that network and, and basically have those in power who are making the recruitment decisions look at you and your background as being as equally able to be trusted or equally able to compete as others is really challenging and really difficult to disrupt Absolutely. because that's kind of human nature isn't it you know and that's people don't like change and people don't like disrupting those kind of things so I mean how have you seen that being disrupted in the past or, or have you in fact I, I, I don't know if it's being disrupted I actually think this is really interesting I, I was um I was uh, listening to a very famous uh, tech journalist recently called Kara Swisher. She does amazing podcasts. I definitely recommend them. And one of the things that her, the person invited talked about was how uh, now we're trying to use technology in order to suppress these biases. And one very famous company that I, I can't name today uh, developed an internal um, system that enabled to ultimately go through uh, CVs and go through mm. profiles of people in order to better recruit thinking that it will help with uh, you know eliminating biases however like any technology technology is an extension of us and they realize after a while that the people that were selected all look the same the data that you feed in uh, you know is what that technology will be doing and so instead of eliminating those biases it actually accentuated them and what they realize is that even the term women being mentioned in some of those CVs discounted or puts the CV at the bottom of the pile. And so what I think we need to realize is that there are unconscious bias. And if you're curious about yours, there's a great test, I think, uh, by Stanford or Harvard that's online where you can actually test your biases. I have some. I was annoyingly surprised about them, but I think we all do have some. Um, and we need to be conscious it exists. So how do we address them in order to make sure that Companies have different voices, 
that they can serve consumers better, that they can serve society better, um, and that they can be more efficient. Is there any other tech solutions that you've seen that could try and challenge unconscious bias or or diversity and inclusion in recruitment? I think there's a there's a few solutions that are being used, and I unfortunately forgot the name of one organization based in the US that uh, ultimately developed a, a tool in a, to scan um, CVs and um, and to kind of again help do the same thing, but in a way that works just better than this company. But also, what they developed is a tool to scan um, job offers uh, or um, job descriptions, basically, just to make sure that those job descriptions are not from the start discriminating or or scary for certain groups of people and that they are more accessible. And so I, I think there's a few solutions out there that are um, that are good or in the right way, but we just need to realize that technology isn't the solution until we fix society. Soci again, technology is an extension of society. So if society is flawed, technology would simply replicate or accentuate it. And um, without wanting to be rude, but one expression being used in Silicon Valley is simply data matters, and if you put crap in, then you will get crap out. And so this is what unfortunately happened with a lot of the technologies um, that are out there. And that makes perfect sense to me. And I've certainly heard a lot about workforce analytics being used in order really to drill down into diversity issues and maybe using data analysis to kind of understand where pockets of discrimination might be. Again, is that something that you've you've seen much of? Yeah, what I find also interesting is we also need to ask our ourselves the question of what does success looks like mm. and very often we believe that success is a repetition of the past or that success is um, the the voices that define success are just a, a monolithic group that defines what success is and by so much relying on certain types of KPIs to analyze that successful um, people are, we may stifle innovation, we may stifle voices that may come up with something different and we may ultimately make companies um, narrower in their thinking and so I love technology but I also think we can't just rely on technology to fix our problems and fix our flaws, we need to fix ourselves first. Sport is always seen as an arena for fair play, right? And Given that, and given the the kind of you know um, approach people are now bringing to the table of equality and people should be treated the same, and basically that principle of fairness, then sport is kind of seen as the paradigm out there. Sure, I think the reason why we called uh, you know our organisation We Play Fair is because we also realise that very often when we talk about equality and diversity, um, some groups of people may be may feel threatened and may feel like it's at their expense. Uh, that was, that ultimately, um, you know, they they will be diminished. But that's absolutely not what it is. And I think if you're creative enough and if you're a little bit competitive, what you want is more competition to uh, whatever field you're working on to ultimately compete fairly and that's what we're looking for we're not looking for one group to take over another we're looking to for equality so it's really great to see that move I think if we take the example of football and the World Cup it's absolutely fantastic the interest that has been uh, whether it's in the UK or whether it's in France or, or in the US in the Women World Cup yet we can't forget that the US women's team is currently suing uh, their boss ultimately for being paid much 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 less 
than the men's team when they win more tournaments, they score more gold, and they specifically bring in more money than, than the others. So it's not to, again, ask for the men to be paid less. It's simply for everybody to be treated equal. And so I think when we look at sport, there's some amazing things that are being done. Much, much more can be done. And you are right. For me, this is something that uh, sport is something that people will look up to. And so if we can change sport, make sport uh, more fair, uh, free from crime, um, I think that will inspire companies and, and organizations and people themselves to realize that equality, diversity, inclusion is really, really good for society. And so that's what I'm hoping. Yeah, and I agree with you. And I think that sport is often a perfect analogy for business. And a lot of the conferences I've been to, we've had keynote speakers who have been sportsmen because all the training, all the effort, all of the focus does translate to business. So there are a lot of lessons that can be learned. I mean, ultimately, we all want to play fair on the platform of business as well as just in the platform of sport. So I think if if sport is is showing us a shining example and it gets there, or at least we can, one we can follow, then businesses will also see that diversity means increased talent pool. It means more voices, as you've said. It means more innovation. And it just generally is good for everyone, as well as bringing people up within society. Absolutely. And as I said before, I don't see diversity and inclusion as the end goal, not at all. For me, this is a, this is a tool to ultimately make, make businesses, society and the environment in a, in a better place. That's, that's really the goal uh, in itself. And it's if sports can inspire businesses um, to work towards that, that's great. We've mentioned um, diversity and inclusion quite a few times, but you've also mentioned the environment mm -hmm. and you've also mentioned kind of wider societal issues like corporate social responsibility. Is there a space for tech in that space also? Yes, absolutely. I think, um, I think again, um, tech, extension, humans, if we want to make society better, it will help. So, so, so that's great. However, what we've seen um, is, is a mentality in Silicon Valley and other places that says, let's move fast and break things. Okay, great, but who's going to fix the things that you break? Um, and, and so I, I do believe, again, if you're creative, innovative enough, if you need to think about how to operate your business by considering the externalities, considering whatever business you have, what are the impact that you have on society, on the environment, and address them and figure out solutions to, to how you operate. It's much, much easier not to care or, or just to kind of forget about the impact. Much easier, there's, there's no doubt. But it's much more rewarding to really think about that impact, mitigate it, and, and address your your business model or change your business model to reflect your impact and if you find companies who do this truly then they also will be my heroes and my inspiration there's a few but there are not many unfortunately so so when you say reducing your business impact are you thinking of environmental initiatives or are you thinking about supply chain initiatives like such as trying to remove modern slavery from your supply chain that kind of thing or or just tell me a little bit about what, 
kind of the the broad spectrum of, of things you might be the actions you might be thinking of yeah that, that's that's a very good point actually modern slavery that's one example but ultimately it's in every single thing that you do and and whoever you are and your business is not just a responsibility of the CEO it's the responsibility of the assistant of the CEO of the person who works in marketing of the person who works at uh, you know welcoming people in the building that's really everybody's responsibility to think is there a way that I do my job by having a positive impact. That's where it starts. Giving voices to everyone in the business to think differently and to think, is there a way that I do this by reducing my environmental impact and reducing my negative social impact? So using, you know, using glasses instead of using, you know, plastic bottle is one small example. And then it goes to the core of a business model. Is what you are producing or what you are selling something that ultimately puts this planet and the society at large in a better place or not? If not, how can you make it so that it's actually something that's needed? Uh, because if you really have that mentality, not only you will last for longer, um, but you know, from a brand perspective, you will be liked. From a legal perspective, if you think like this, of course you'll be fine from a legal perspective because it's it's more advanced. From an efficiency perspective, you'll be able to poach people from Google if you're looking at developers because that's what people want. Work for a company that stands for more than just short-term profit. And more importantly, and I've seen it many times, if you think about your impact, you will find new ways to make business, you will find new business avenues, um, and you will be successful in the longer term. There's many examples out there, um, but I think it's, it's still not enough. It's still, let's look short term rather than longer, sustainable you know, uh, impact. So it sounds to me that what you're effectively describing is turning your CSR into kind of a business competitive advantage. So rather than being something that you can kind of um, put on your annual report and say, oh, look, we did some nice things this year. Sure. It's a bit more about thinking, actually, um, I should be a good corporate citizen in the world. I should be leading by example and I should be operating my business in the best possible way. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, CSR, sustainability, whatever you want to call it, it's really not, again, uh, about small little actions here and there. It's not about ad hoc action. It's about your business model. It's simply looking at your entire business and then thinking, how can I grow? How can I do my business in a way that has a positive social and environmental impact that will reap benefits back to the, to the company? So ultimately... Uh, I, I don't think it's CSR, it's, it's just simply good business strategy and that's how we need to think about it. Looking at what companies um, can do in this space or the roles that companies have in this space, I'm thinking about how companies can impact on societal change. Do you think there's a role for them, there's something they can do to pull this conversation forward? Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, I, I think maybe 30 years ago we saw governments as being kind of the leaders of change, um, you know, or, or the ones who kind of set the pace or, or set the tone. Uh, I don't believe that at all anymore. When you have uh, Mark Zuckerberg's platform having more than 2 billion people on its platform, he has more power him by himself than most of the governments out there. So I do believe that companies not only have the um, 
the possibility, but more importantly, the responsibility to make sure that they make society fairer. Uh, they have this huge power, and as the famous quote says, with you know a lot of power comes also a lot of responsibility, and they shouldn't shy away from it. So companies are responsible um, to make progress go in the right direction. They're not the only ones responsible, but they have a huge, huge responsibility and influence. Thanks so much to Laura De Silva Gomez for sharing her insights on diversity and inclusion, corporate social responsibility and sustainability, and on integrity and whistleblowing, both in sports and in the wider business world. Please do look out for future podcasts from the global business law firm DLA Piper as we explore the influence of regulation and emerging technologies in business and on wider society. Several podcasts, including ones focused on fintech, food technology, robotics and automation, artificial intelligence, cybersecurity, crowdfunding, retail tech, human rights and cloud computing are already available for you to listen to on our website or even through the Apple podcast app on iOS or SoundCloud, as well as other apps and services for Android and other phones. Do note that we will, on Tuesday the 15th of October, at ETC Venues 155 Bishopsgate in London, be hosting our widely acclaimed DLA Piper European Technology Summit 2019, a major biennial conference attended by over 350 senior legal and commercial executives. We're looking forward to eminent industry execs joining us for a panel discussion, Both through my colleague and DLA Piper partner, Claire Gregory, will be moderating on the day under the banner of driving diversity through technology. And that will be attended, amongst others, by Laura. Do follow DLA Piper on our social media channels and or visit our event website, which is www.dlapipertechsummit.com forward slash European. On here, you can register to join us for an exciting full day, exploring a variety of aspects of digital transformation and emerging tech across multiple industries, with speakers including industry leaders from across Europe and beyond. Thanks for listening. From myself, Catherine Gibson, Legal Director, Global Business Law Firm, DLA Piper.